What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rookie Ball, the podcast where you want to go if you need to know anything sports, or if you just want to hear my opinion on them. I, of course, am always your host, Phoenix Igus, and ladies and gentlemen, the first round of the NFL playoffs is over, so it's time to recap those games and get into my NBA All-Star votes. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get it. So it is Tuesday, and Tuesday means for the new time listeners that we are talking about the NFL games that just previously passed over, and we are going out of the NFL. This is not going to be a consistent thing. It's only in the biggest moments of the other sports seasons. We will talk about our NBA All-Star votes, but starting with the NFL, we're going to be talking about the wildcard games that just concluded last night, as all of them were almost amazing. Uh, I would say there's only one that didn't go too well that is leading up to the divisional round which we will predict on Friday so without further ado let's get into it guys the first game that we had was between the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers this game was extremely close up until the fourth quarter the Seattle Seahawks had 17 points through three quarters the San Francisco 49ers had 23 it was a seven point game or sorry six point game uh, could have literally gone either way, uh, but then the fourth quarter hit, and so did Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy went crazy in his first ever playoff start, going 18 for 30 with 332 yards and three touchdowns without a doubt. He is the all-star, the MVP of this game for the 49ers. Their defense looked weak at points, especially in that second quarter, to what I consider a slightly weak Seattle Seahawks offense with Geno Smith at the helms who listen he did good he was 25 for 35 253 yards two touchdowns he did throw a costly interception that ended up not costing too much uh but listen he did good is Geno the long-term answer for the Seattle Seahawks no not in my opinion especially since they're gonna have a top pick in the draft from the Broncos this season I think they need to look quarterback in this draft if there is a good one available at that point which I think there will be the Seattle Seahawks surprised everyone this season it was a shock that they even made it to the playoffs so the fact that they were competitive through three quarters with maybe maybe the favorite to win the entire thing out of all the teams extremely impressive by the Seattle Seahawks but the San Francisco 49ers take that one and head on to the divisional round against the Dallas Cowboys, and we'll get into that game at the end. Then we moved on to probably the best game of the wildcard weekend, as someone I know named me uh, predicted between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers. Listen, this is sad for the Los Angeles Chargers. Fire everybody on that coaching staff, if I'm being truly honest, but especially Brandon Staley. Mike Williams was not in this game because he decided to play his starters in Week 18. I said if he didn't start, there was a chance I liked the Jags. I didn't announce it in time. I should have. But yeah, the Jags uh, come back from 27 to nothing to win this game. It is the third largest comeback in NFL playoff history. 
It was truly amazing. Trevor Lawrence turned on the burners. You'll never see a stat line like this. He was 28 for 47, 288 yards, four touchdowns, and four interceptions. When's the last time you saw a person get four touchdowns, four interceptions, and win the game? Uh, the Jaguars went off in the second half, scoring a total of 24 points between the third and fourth quarter, including the game-winning field goal that is sending them to the divisional round against the one-seeded Chiefs. Look, they, they give off a vibe. I said that they didn't, and I said that they didn't, and I still don't think they do, but they give off a vibe of the Cincinnati Bengals team last year that was just edging out games, and you can call it luck, but I call it just being better than the other team. And they might shock some people with the Chiefs, but we'll get into that for my predictions on Friday. On the Chargers' side, a great first half. Justin Herbert, really nothing to complain about on his side. He was 25 for 43 with 273 yards and a touchdown. On the rushing side, you have Austin Eckler, who, in my opinion, even outside of fantasy, is one of the best running backs in the NFL. He had 13 carries. Now, he had two touchdowns, but he had 13 carries this entire game, and it was only for 35 yards. If he would have gotten more rushing attempts, if he would have gotten over 20, I could have seen this being a very, very different game, but the Jags pull it out in amazing comeback fashion. Then we had a shocker. This was my lock of the week between the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. The Dolphins should not have been in this game. Uh, this is on the Bills defense, and this is a very scary sight, given that they're going to be facing an electric offense in the Bengals this upcoming weekend. Skylar Thompson did not play well. He threw it 45 times, only completed 18. He did have 220 yards, so when he was completing, it was big plays. He had a touchdown and two interceptions. You had no big rushers on this team. The leading rusher had 23 yards on 10 carries. Everybody under that was under 10. And then your leading receiver was 69 yards. The ball was getting passed around, mostly to Tyreek, but it was getting passed around. Dolphins' defense looked really good for a section of this game, really outside of the third quarter. They were intercepting Josh Allen, as I can read out his stats here. He was 23 for 39, 352 yards, which is very impressive, for three touchdowns and two interceptions. Listen, the Bills are facing the Bengals next weekend, who did not look perfect either against the Ravens, and we'll talk about that. But if your defense is letting 31 points to a Dolphins team led by Skylar Thompson and Josh Allen is turning over the ball two times due to interceptions and once to a fumble, that's a scary sight if you're the Buffalo Bills. But you are at home, you move on just barely, and you gotta fix it, you gotta get it back together for next weekend's game. Then we have uh, the one that people are gonna clown me on for the rest of the postseason. I picked the Minnesota Vikings to beat the New York Giants. I was just so confident in them. I even picked them to make the Super Bowl. And they get upset in the first round by the New York Giants, 31 to 24. But I will say, even though I said the Vikings were gonna make the Super Bowl, I believed in them. I did say one thing that I got question about that I feel very happy about now. I said that Daniel Jones, especially if he was given weapons, 
is a significantly, and not even by like a huge margin, but is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. And Daniel Jones was him in this game. This man was 24 for 35 with 301 yards, two touchdowns, zero turnovers, along with 17 carries, 478 yards. We talk about Justin Fields. We talk about Lamar Jackson. Why don't we talk about Daniel Jones? Why do we not talk about it? I know he's not getting 100 yards per game. 78 yards was more than Saquon on the day, even though Saquon did have two touchdowns and half the carries. But Daniel Jones, 78 yards rushing, 301 yards uh, throwing the ball. And Isaiah Hodgins, a great game for him. Eight receptions, 105 yards, one touchdown. Good to see one uh, Giants receiver kind of coming out and doing something for him. The defense looked weak at moments, but it is an electric offense in the Minnesota Vikings. They can get hot and spark at any time. So 24 is not a number to be mad at as long as it's not over your number. That's the game of football, right? Just score more points than the other team. So the Giants, I believe, are the only... No, the Cowboys are as well, but the Giants and Cowboys, the only upsets, technically to happen this past weekend as they go on to face the New York, sorry, the Philadelphia Eagles. I was going to say they're facing themselves, but they are facing the number one seeded Philadelphia Eagles. Then on Sunday night football, we had the Cincinnati Bengals who defeated the Baltimore Ravens 24 to 17. J.K. Dobbins had a lot to say about this game. And you know what? To a degree, as a Bengals fan, I agree with him. He should have been in... <laughs> in in certain moments specifically the one where Tyler Huntley fumbled the ball on a quarterback sneak and allowed a 98 yard fumble recovery touchdown by Sam Hubbard in my opinion if I was rooting for the Ravens I would give the ball to J.K. Dobbins there but they don't uh and listen the Ravens did not play bad at all no one expected them to be in this game I did um but no one expected them to be competitive at all in this matchup. And they were. There's honestly some arguments that they should have won this game. That they could have won this game. If they had Lamar. Blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, that's not how it went down. Tyler Huntley played pretty good considering what the situation he was put in. He was 17 for 29 for 226 yards. Two touchdowns and one interception. Very, very early in the game. J.K. Dobbins was looking amazing. The man had 62 yards on only 13 carries, along with Tyler Huntley, who had 54 yards on 9 carries. The running game was working really well for them, but eventually they did have to go to the pass, and when they had to go to the pass, it did not work out for them as they fell short on their final drive. Was it due to time? Was it due to just not being good at the passing game? Who knows, you can't really determine that. But on the Bengals' side, the offense did not look spectacular, did not look special in any way, but you can contribute to that to the point uh, that they were not on the field much this game. Uh, I believe they only had six or seven total drives the entire game because the Ravens' drives were so long and so many runs that they didn't get much time of possession in the first place. 
but still a solid game overall. Joe Burrow had 23 for 32 for 209 yards, a touchdown, and a rushing touchdown. Joe Mixon, when he showed up, he did run well. He had 11 carries for 39 yards. You expect more carries out of him, but the Bengals are a pass-first team. Jamar Chase showed out in the playoffs just like he did last season as he had nine receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown. So listen, the Bengals offense didn't look great against the Ravens. The Bills defense didn't look great against the Dolphins. The two sides of the ball for each team that you expect to be performing well did not do great in their matchups. So it is going to be very interesting because I don't think either team played significantly well in their wildcard game to see how the Bills and Bengals games go. But obviously that is going to be the one that we are kind of going deep into uh, for this Friday's episode as I do believe it is the matchup of the weekend. Then finally, we have the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Listen, I picked the Cowboys, and I said that the Bucks did not deserve to be here. I did not think it was going to be this. This was a blowout. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys maybe played their best game of football the entire season as they defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-14. to Dak Prescott, amazing game. 25 for 33, 305 yards, four touchdowns, no turnovers. On the running side, what you expect from the Cowboys. Tony Pollard, 15 carries for 77 yards. Zeke, 13 carries for 27 yards. And Dak also had a rushing touchdown with 24 yards rushing. On the receiving side, kind of got passed around, but it was mostly to Dalton Schutz, who had seven receptions for 95 yards and two touchdowns, along with a CD and a Gallup touchdown. The Cowboys looked impressive. If they play like this the rest of the postseason, there is no doubt that they are the best team on the NFC side. If they don't, which has been a problem for them this year, then there becomes a concern. If you see any glimpses of Dak not playing at his highest, of the defense slipping up the tiniest bit, you start to worry as a Cowboys fan because they are a very hot and cold up and down team this season so we'll have to see they're facing off against the san francisco 49ers who are by odds the favorite to win the nfc right now so we'll have to see how they play they have a very hard matchup coming up this weekend but i'm excited to see it now ladies and gentlemen let's move over from the nfl as we are all excited over what has happened this past weekend and excited for what will happen next and we'll get into that on Friday. Let's get into the NBA. The All-Star game will be getting played soon and we got to talk about who I'm personally voting for, who I think is going to make it. So let's get right into it. We're going to start with the guards on each side, starting over on the western side just because I believe it's a little bit of an easier decision. This is a race between three people, in my opinion. This is a race between Luka Doncic, John Morant, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. The only reason I'm going to go with who I'm going with is because of the record of their teams. I believe that Luka is far and beyond the number one, uh, should be the number one vote-getter of anybody right now. He's played the most impressive out of everyone between the Western and Eastern Conference. Not MVP level, but is, in my opinion, the best guard right now. So he gets the number one spot. Then we get between Ja and Shea. 
Shea and Jaw, in terms of stats, are extremely close. I mean, there is a point, an assist, a, a, a rebound difference between these guys. Really, the difference for me is Jaw is a top seed in the Western Conference. Shea is a part of a team that is rebuilding, that is tanking still. And, you know, it's not his fault. He's still playing extremely impressive, but he is getting more opportunities and he's not leading to wins for his team. And I do think Jaw is the sexier and more correct pick of the two. So on the Western side, I got Luka and Jaw. Moving over to the Eastern side, just like with Luka, I think there's a clear number one choice on the Eastern Conference, which is Donovan Mitchell. He's played insanely well. He's helping this Cavs team get to a much better spot than they were last season uh, as they did get eliminated in the play-in. Then for the second spot, now we had Ja and Shea. Now it's between Jalen and Trey Young. Jalen Brown, I mean specifically. And it's kind of the same scenario. Now, Jalen is averaging more assists and rebounds than Trey is. Trey is averaging more points, but not by a lot. And obviously, the Celtics are the number one team in the Eastern Conference, I believe. I don't know. Maybe the Nets took them over, but I do believe it is the Celtics. Uh, and Jalen Brown has been the number two guy on that team, but he could honestly play as a number one at this point. Tatum is just that good. So Brown is going to be my second choice on the Eastern Conference guards. Then we move on to the front courts. On the Western side, this one is tough because obviously you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. LeBron is playing how he always does. He looks incredibly impressive. The stats show it. But here's the difference. His team is still not performing well. His team is not getting wins. They're losing night in and night out. And it's the same with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is putting up numbers he hasn't done in a while while staying healthy. And yet, I just can't give it to him. I know LeBron is going to get in. Even though I'm not voting for him, I know LeBron is getting in because he's LeBron. There is a chance AD may get in as well. My three votes. The first one is obvious. I got to go with Nikola Jokic. The man is atop the NBA MVP ladder right now. He's playing insanely well. He could go back to back to back MVPs, and he's going to be in the All-Star game. The question is, who is the two people that are going to be with him? Is it going to be LeBron and AD? It most likely could be, but it's not going to be for me. I personally have Sabonis in the second spot. I think the Kings have been extremely impressive. I think De'Aaron also deserves an All-Star nod as a reserve, and I really hope he does. I think Sabonis, even though the stats aren't LeBron level, aren't Anthony Davis level, he right now is the number one slash number two. It's very interchangeable uh, on a top-of-the-conference type team in the Sacramento Kings. So I'm giving it to Sabonis. And for my final spot, I know he's injured. And there is a chance he might not even be able to play in this game. But Zion Williamson has played at an incredible level this season. The man has transformed since coming back from injury and has truly cemented himself as one of the biggest stars of the NBA. And it's leading to wins on his team. The Pelicans, before he got injured, were atop the Western Conference for multiple days, maybe even a couple of weeks. And then he got injured and it started to simmer down a bit. 
but Zion has been incredibly uh, impressive this season. I have no reason to believe that he shouldn't at least get an all-star nod and he'll maybe have an injury replacement. But those are my three. We have Jokic, Sabonis, and Williamson with Luka and Ja taking up the guard. Then we have the Eastern Conference front court. This was a four-man race until Kevin Durant got injured. Then it became a three-man race. This is Embiid, Antetokounmpo, and Tatum. If Kevin wasn't hurt, I see a world where he gets put in over Embiid. But for me, I think I might rather have Embiid even if Durant was healthy. But I can't see the world where Durant gets put over him. But with him being out and most likely not be able, being able to play in this game, I gotta go Embiid, Antetokounmpo, Tatum. I really don't think you can debate that one in any way unless you're a fan of the team of a guy that isn't in here. But based off logistics and, and reasonable thinking, these are the three guys. So on the Eastern Conference side, I have Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown at the guard and Tatum, Giannis, and Embiid in the front court. So ladies and gentlemen, those are my NBA All-Star starter picks. Obviously, there are some reserves that we won't get into because this isn't an NBA or a sports, sports podcast. This is an NFL podcast. But that is all the time we have for today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoy. I will see you guys on Friday when we get into my predictions for the four divisional round games, and then we'll come back and review those next Tuesday. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and I will see you guys on Friday, and I will see you guys on the flippity flip. Get out of here!